Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. This episode is brought to you by Unstuck Yourself, a series of soul chats to help you get out of your own way. It's a self-study course I created for you. That's right. You can go through this course all by yourself on your own time, at your own schedule, at your own pace with all the ease and spaciousness you want. We all get stuck every once in a while. It's just part of life, but we don't have to stay stuck. This course will help you get aware about where you are, where you want to go, will help you accept the process, and will get you moving. To learn more, go to kelseyabbott.com slash unstuck. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My guest today is Isabel Hunt. She is a transformation coach who works with empaths and empath warriors, an emotions clearing practitioner, and the published author of The Power of Faith Driven Success. Isabel is just already an incredible human who has so many gifts and is super connected. And I'm not going to read you any more of her bio because this woman is fascinating and I just want to get into it. So welcome, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, that made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I want to start right at the one thing you say in your bio is one of your very unique gifts, very unique gifts, is being able to read people's hearts through the language of color. I want to talk to you about everything, but that keeps jumping out at me. So let's just start right there. What does that mean? <laughs> okay. Um, I'll go back a little bit to, to add a little bit of the story behind it. Um, when I was a child, or already when I was a child, I saw everything in color. Like places that I've gone to, like if someone said, okay, Uh, what in what color do you see the number two it usually is either red or yellow depending on the context or a word or people like it's just always everything in color and I thought well everyone does that right I mean yeah of course (laughs) duh and um and the, the the older I got the less I paid attention to it until I moved to the U.S from Germany. I'm Archie from Germany. I moved here about nine years ago and I went through coaching training and it was more like a spiritual coaching training. So they got really, really deep through the training. Like you have to go through everything everyone else, like your clients will go through. And that's when I realized, um, okay, not everyone sees everything in color, I guess. So I was kind of like surprised a little bit but also not really. And that's when I also realized that I have very special gifts as someone who is empathic, meaning who is very highly, highly sensitive. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe, I don't know how this gift is going to unfold or what that means, whatever. And over the last couple of years, probably only the last three to four years, maybe, I understood that what I see has a meaning. So I studied the psychology of color. Uh, what vibration they're on, what they each mean, and how they can be identified and how they're related to the human being. So I realized whatever I see around people, there's usually one dominant color that reflects a specific meaning. And I just like, okay, this is the color and this is what the color means. And those are some prophetic visions that I have with it or something that I feel about you that comes at me. And the color tends to change too, according to your emotional state. So whatever you need to hear in that moment, when you ask me to tune in with you, is usually what you need to hear in that moment. Um, and, and then a couple months ago, I was kind of tired. And I was like, oh, I don't really, I don't know if I want to do this business anymore. I was so annoyed by it. And suddenly I went to bed and I went through my Kindle store and suddenly a book showed up with the, um, the book was called, Um, the girl who reads hearts 
and I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Oh my goodness, she wrote a book about me. That's unbelievable. And from that day on, and again, it was just recently that I was really able to call it that way. Um, for me, it, it, helped, it helped me to understand that what I receive is actually the vibration of someone's heart because the heart has the highest vibration. It's a thousand times stronger than your brain even. And we always send that energy out. And so for me being so highly intuitive, I can receive it remotely from anywhere. I just have to consciously tune in with them. And then my brain translates everything into color. And then usually some kind of message shows up and um, I take a look at what the color means, what, what mix I see. Sometimes I see rainbows about, about people and then I ask just deeper questions like, what does it mean for them? And so that's, that's the gift that I have. And it helps me tremendously in my coaching because people can't really fool me uh, because I see the colors changing and I can say, okay, this just doesn't make sense what you're saying right now. I think we need to focus on this or dig a little deeper here. So it helps me to really guide them in a really interesting, very unique way. So is this something that you turn on and off? Like when you walk down a busy street, do you just see color everywhere? No, I used to, and that was the overwhelming part of being an empath, yeah. uh, where you just withdraw, where just everything gets so loud, where you avoid crowds, where you don't even want to see people, like don't even ever think about coming over to my house. Um, and I am, through my own work and working with my own coaches, I have now, but I have now been able to get to that stage of becoming the observer of everything. So it doesn't actually affect me immediately. And I can see what is on the outside level. Like there are different dimensions of your energy field and whatever you're sending out, I can see like the color. I, if someone would ask me, I can tell them, but I would not go deeper. That usually takes me to go home, be in a quiet place and really focus on that person without any attachment or any um, distractions. But I can see the color because it's on the outside dimensions. If I would go, if I would see everything deeper than that, I would, uh, that would just go too fast. Ethically, you're not supposed to do that if you have those gifts. Would it totally Violate drain you too? Yeah. Yeah, it is quite draining, even though I have a lot of exercises and tools that I use to protect myself. Even when I tune in, there are times where it totally energizes me and then other times where it really drains me. So I don't go around and just look at everyone's color. I literally just see them as a human being. And if they do talk to me, I, I can receive like sometimes I hear words or I can hear messages or I see the color, but I will not dig deeper unless the person gives me permission to do so. Mm. I, I get that. And um, I love the way you're describing that because that helps explain some stuff for me. Thank you. <laughs> you won't go. <laughs> um, I do see color everywhere. And so I think I might dive into some of those you should. We might have to have another conversation outside of this podcast about this. Yeah. We need to understand how to use it and what ways to use it and how it can support a greater good. I think that's why it's so easy for me to separate the human and the individual from everything label. Like, I don't see the black person. I don't see the white person. I don't see the non-educated person that the heart speaks so much louder to me. It's, it's almost like that's all there is. It's almost like I hear their heartbeat and I can't focus on anything outside of that. That doesn't mean that I, again, we had those conversations, especially now with the social um, discussions around don't say that. I can acknowledge their challenges would each go through because of the labels that have been put on them. That's not a problem. Like I don't dismiss that, but I have this really great ability because in the way I can see people that it doesn't matter to me, it doesn't influence necessarily my opinion about you. Yeah, because you're sense? seeing something, you're Different. seeing the inside. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow, that is so cool. Okay, so you went through coach training. How did you get there? What made you decide to be a coach? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. Um, I was already very interested in psychology when I was around 12. I grew up in East Germany, so that was the former DDR. So that was law communism. And because we were part of a church, my dad wasn't allowed to study anything. And then once the wall came down, I was around seven or eight. Um, my dad was able to start go start school. He finally, he finally went back to college and got his degree in social work. And when I was about 10, 11, 12, kind of that age around that, I started to read his books and I was so fascinated by it. I was always a very avid reader. I always wanted to read everything and know everything, especially on psychology and human behavior. And so I started reading his books and then at the age of 15, 16, I started to contact universities to give me their welcome packages because they always have like those little pamphlets in there as an example, what the classes are going to be about. So I went through all of those. And, um, and so getting into that, I always knew that I wanted to do something with psychology, but I was always so worried that I would go crazy myself if I would go into it. So I was trying to talk myself out of it and I wasn't aware of being an empath. I just, I just was so afraid that I would go crazy if I would do this work. Now I know why, because back then I already subconsciously knew that it would overwhelm me hearing all those problems. And so I got into economics, which was a total, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well. totally different direction. <laughs> that ended up with anxiety and depression really badly and suicide attempts. Oh, I wouldn't call it suicide attempt. I would just didn't care if a car would run me over or not. Mm -hmm. I didn't, like I just didn't worry about it. Um, and then I got kicked out of university. That ended up with me not being able to study anything with economics in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. Okay, wait, explain that. <laughs> <laughs> when you fail too many exams, you have to leave. Like, the, you have so many tries, and if you um, don't make that happen, you get kicked out, pretty much. And, and it goes amongst, like, it goes throughout three countries? Speaking, yeah, German-speaking countries. Fascinating. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that wasn't so fun because then I didn't know what to do. But then I finally understood. I'm like, okay, maybe I should trust my intuition. So I started over with psychology and sociology. I loved it. I went through it within four, three years instead of four. And I learned a lot from my dad too. He's actually doing similar work I do now. And when I came back over here, I tried to find a way to make it happen, to, to be able to stay here because... I came here the first time when I was 18 and it just felt exactly where I was supposed to be. This is where I need to be. Like, you know, when you have this totally inner yes to something mm -hmm. and you can't get it out of your head. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can get into a master's program because everyone was talking about it. And I did, I get into, I got into IUPUI for counseling, which they don't take very many international students, but well, apparently I just was hoping that someone would give me $60,000. That didn't work. So <laughs> I, I couldn't start studying. I had to go to Canada, almost got deported. That's a really fun story. Yeah. Um, and the more anxiety, more depression. <laughs> I came back and, um, and then I got married. Well, that is a different story, but also a really awesome story uh, because my husband didn't want to get married. He just was afraid to lose me. And at some point he didn't really have a choice. So we got married and, um, and then a friend talked to me and he, she said that she has a friend who's going through coaching training. She thinks that I would be really good at that. So maybe it's not counseling, maybe it's actually coaching because it takes a different direction, a different approach, which would be more forward moving than talking about all the problems. And I was like, okay, I'll look into it, whatever. I don't know what to really do with myself um, with the degree that I got. And so I went, it was in Chicago and my husband went with me and he was sitting next to me and I really loved it. There were a couple of things that kind of triggered me because it was a lot about spirituality and I grew up in the Protestant church. So that definitely triggered me. And he looks at me and he's like, if you don't do that, then I don't know what you are supposed to do. This is exactly what you need to do. 
I was like, yeah, but it's 20,000 or 15,000 and we want to pay off our debt. And I don't think we should do that. He's like, you know, we're just going to do it. If you know, this is what you're supposed to do. God will take care of the rest. We will still make it happen. We did make it happen. We paid off 115,000 in two years. Uh, we don't know how or how we really did that because we didn't have any more income. But I went through that um, spiritual coaching training and I just really found myself. It was hard. It was a lot of breakdowns. Sometimes I wanted to kill my mentor coaches. Uh, sometimes I just wanted to punch them in the face. Uh, yeah, sometimes I didn't even want to show up anymore. <laughs> but you still have to because you're paying like 1500 a month. <laughs> and... And then after that, that's when I really started to find myself. I continued working with my coaches even until now, six years later. And that's when I really understood my gifts and how I'm supposed to use it, what it means, and my path. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because as you're talking, it, it's almost like you took a completely direct route. There were just these little, like lots of little speed bumps along the way. Yeah. <laughs> it feels pretty direct. Okay. So then along the way, I'm guessing after you finished coach training, you developed these terms, an empath warrior. Yes. I started to work with a very interesting group. You know, when you start out as coach, you kind of have that scarcity mindset and you just want to make money. So you just coach everyone, right. <laughs> no matter who it is and then whatever. And then at first, when I started out, I, I, titled myself financial coach because, well, I have something to show. We paid over $115,000. We went through um, financial peace and we got trained in financial coaching. And so I was like, okay, maybe I should do that. But it didn't feel right. I was like, I'm not the money person. I got kicked out of, out of economics. What am I supposed to do here? I mean, I'm really good at budgeting and, and money and numbers in general, but yeah. And then I went to like, well, maybe we're, I'm supposed to go into the relationship coaching side. That sounds really interesting. I always wanted to do that because, well, I wanted to study counseling, right? Um, but even there, it just didn't feel right. I didn't get any clients and I was so frustrated. But I got a whole bunch of different individual clients that there was no pattern there. It was like, okay, well, I just make some money with it. That's good. Um, but after a while, I met my really good friend, Jen. And we kept talking and talking and she's like, take a look at all your clients. Do you see a repetitive pattern? I was like, well, they're all very highly sensitive. Is that a pattern or not? And she's like, no, definitely. It's like, but you know, if I hold them against the list of impasse, they don't fit into it. Like they're not all introverts and not withdrawn and, and not the typical signs of being an empath. She's like, well, what is the other side of it? Well, they're also extroverts and like me, like <laughs> I'm a... I, I can be both. I can switch between both very easily. And then we kept talking, talking on the phone. And I was like, wait a second. Well, that makes sense. They're like empath warriors. And she's like, well, you better look up if someone already owns that one. If not, you just own it. Like you literally own it. And I looked it up. And um, at that time, nobody used it. And so I just made it my own. And I was like, that's exactly it. They're the introvert within the extrovert or the extrovert within the introvert. And they are so stuck in their introvert box that they don't know how to use effectively the extrovert box because they're always overwhelmed when they're out of that introvert box. Always overwhelmed, frustrated, um, most likely depressed, anxiety, panic attacks. Like they don't know how to use that extrovert side of them properly so that they don't get affected by everything that's literally coming at them. And that's how I started to coin that term and really used it. And it was funny because uh, Judith Orloff, she is a, she's very well known for empath work as well. And last December I got an email from a friend and she's like, do you work with her? I was like, um, no, why? Well, she just sent out an email about empath warriors. She uses it in a different context. Um, she's more like discovering the warrior inside of you, more like a, not necessarily as an extrovert, but really embracing you as an empath. That's how she used it. Um, but it was really interesting. I was like, am I in trouble now or is she in trouble now? And people are like, no, don't worry, because she's used it in a different context. Just work with it. Stick with it. The right people will find you and the right people will find her. Don't worry about it. He's like, okay, I'll just let it go. 
And then one of them said, maybe you should just really reach out to her and just create something with her. But now there are more people um, that use that term as well. But I created about two, three years ago, three years ago already. Yeah. And you have a trademark, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're in charge. But I, I, um, I actually had a, a trademark experience that led to co-creation. When I first started this podcast, I called it the Own Your Awesome podcast. Mm-hmm. And I have the trademark for Find Your Awesome. But I, don't, I just wanted to call the podcast something different. So I called it Own Your Awesome. Somebody already owns that trademark. And she reached out to me. I'd, I'd only done two episodes so far. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, we obviously have so much in common. So if you could change the name, that'd be great. And you know, maybe we could co-create something in the future. And we did, we did an episode together all about collaborating and co-creating instead of competing. See, at this point, I think um, two or three years ago, it would really bother me, especially that mine is still all in, in works, in the works. There were a couple of different um, obstacles and yeah, there was a lot going on with that trademark thing, but um, so it's not quite, well, I'm not going to even say that if people know, they might just use it. But um, it's true. Like, you know, at this point, I am in the state where if people understand it, I mean, I don't want them to steal any of my work, you know, and go and just copy and paste. I, I no, that's not okay. But if it just shows up in a different context, I'm like, you know what? We're all in the same boat. We all have a similar goal. I'm not worried. I'm not really in that mindset of scarcity at this point anymore. So it's like, okay, it's all right. I can, I can live with it. I can let it go. Yeah. It's just words. Yeah. Because my energy is still different than anyone else's. You would ever try to copy my stuff. So people just know. And the more aware we are now and more conscious we are as a society, the more people pick up on that. If you took stuff from someone else or if you really made it your own. Yeah, you can, well, I, I guess I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I feel it when it doesn't feel Oh yeah, like it comes from somebody's heart. Okay, that's not, that's not theirs. Everyone does actually feel it because we all function physically in a similar way. Uh, again, because everything is energy and vibration, but most people are not aware consciously what they are feeling because, well, we're emotionally underdeveloped. So most of us are not even aware of our needs. And if we're not aware of our needs, we're not really aware of anyone else's needs or anyone else's intention unless we just make assumption um, in whatever shows up and whatever we feel, then that gets dangerous. But in general, most people are not as consciously aware to know why they feel different or feel weird or feel triggered by that person or by that message. Um, yeah. So everyone so, does it. So how, how can people learn to understand what they're feeling? For one, you need to start to have very much awareness. So I, um, a couple of weeks ago, I created that online course. It's called The Empowered Warrior, a simple guide to successfully navigating your emotional world. So what I've been doing, I studied a lot about emotions, especially after my son was born. And I realized that I have huge effect emotionally on his emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Like literally when he was born, it was, uh, do you want me to share the story? It was yeah. quite interesting. Please. When he was born, I was all excited. And I was like, oh, finally, because we had two miscarriages before him. And so we were really happy. The pregnancy was really easy. But also my business started to really create momentum um, during the time that I was pregnant with him. And then he was born December 20th in 2013. And... I mean, <laughs> that's the, that's being naive as a first time mom, you just go into it and you think, oh, it's just going to be all great. They're going to sleep really well. Uh, it's not going to change too much. I can still continue what I have can, what I've been doing before. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so you get home and suddenly they just cry all day and all night and they want to be held all day and they wake up and want to be fed every two hours. And it started to be so, so much stress for me emotionally. 
um, that I started to get sick. I had lots of um, breast infections and then he couldn't nurse and then he was hungry and then he kept crying to the point where I was so sleep deprived that I was so angry and so revengeful within myself and created a lot of resentment towards him. And I didn't want to because I felt shame around feeling that way. And it's like, I'm a mom, I love him, I can't feel this way. So I beat myself up in addition already of feeling all the stress. And at some point I had a total breakdown. I just, I looked at him and I said, you need to take him before I do something. Like before I just drop him or something. And my husband took him. And then I had to calm down. I called my coach and I was crying. And he's like, you know, Isabel, it's the same with everything. Whatever you focus on, you create more of. It's the same with your emotions. You're trying so hard not to feel what you feel that you keep focusing on that and you create more of it. You're just literally talking yourself into it. And I was like, well, you're right. So what does that mean? And that was that turning point for me where I started to study even more about emotions than what I already knew before, like really taking a spiritual approach, um, energetic, metaphysics, and quantum physics approach to emotions. And I had to realize that the way I felt um, made him physically sick. He was very colicky and it just didn't feel well. It was just not fun. And once I was able to forgive myself and really acknowledge what was going on and work through that. And I, I'm just so glad I had my coach back then too. Um, within 24 hours, he was colicky free. And when I had that experience, I knew the impact I have and my thoughts and my emotions on this little child physically. And um, so when I talk to people, I try to help them understand how your body for one actually functions what it means to, what, what a vibration means and how that is scientifically explainable. Uh, if anyone is interested, uh, The Living Matrix is a really amazing documentary um, that explains all the metaphysics and quantum physics around how body works. And then, I, again, then, then it's about creating awareness. Knowing what each emotion really wants to tell you and has to say. Like we have created such a system in our society where it's bad and good and you shouldn't feel this way, and you always need to feel this way, you need to thrive for this, but not this. And we, I mean, we tell children already at a very young age, you, what is wrong with you? You shouldn't be feeling that as a boy. Don't cry, man up. This is not how you're supposed to act. This is not how you're supposed to feel. So we grow up with all those stigmas around emotions that destroy us, that make us easily manipulative or we are being manipulated very easily both ways. You see it with advertising, you see it with politics. They use emotions to get the people to where they want to want them to go to be able to control them. The church used to do that. Um, there was a, a couple hundred years ago, I think it was like 200 years ago or something, there was a researcher, and I need to research a story again. There was a researcher who went to the Pope and said, I want to research more about emotions because I think they're really fascinating. And the Pope said to him, but only research the scientific side of emotions. So he was only allowed to research the physical side of emotions, but had to ignore the spiritual side of emotions. And we find a lot of that even in the Bible. So they knew that there is a spiritual aspect to emotions, but they needed to keep that for themselves so they can control the people. And that's why Martin, Martin Luther came out and said, this is not not how we're supposed to do this because the church was manipulating people. And we still kept going with that system because we knew it works. And there was suddenly this force versus power, creating external power so we feel safe. Um, and we have established that system to the point where we forgot our needs, especially when you have parents and women. We tend to forget that even more because we have a very high sense of integrity as well especially women, we're spiritually more connected because we haven't been taught that from a kid's age on that we have to be strong and tough and we can't show it, we, we can't show emotion, that we haven't heard that as much as boys, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we're more open to that. And when I start out working with clients, I have them do a journal and that's a really good um, exercise anyone can do. So I'm just going to share it. So for one or two weeks, I have people take a journal with them wherever they go. It's in the morning, um, 
throughout their day at work at night and i want i always want them to write down when what they feel even if they can't name it just describing it like suddenly i feel heavy or it feels like i'm walking through mud or anything that is somehow describes where they're at emotionally and then paying attention to what the trigger was. Was it a thought that you were thinking? Was it a person that said something to you? Was it an event? Did you have any expectations and then you were disappointed? Like anything, that's what I want them to write down and monitor for about one to two weeks. Usually one week is already enough, depending on don't do it while you're on vacation because, well, duh, that would kind of destroy the purpose of it. Obviously you feel differently on vacation. Um, but when you take a look at what emotions show up, what are usually the triggers, how do I react to it, you can see a pattern. And eventually you can ask yourself that question, oh, what do I need in this moment? What is this emotion really trying to tell me? Why, is, why am I suddenly sad? Sadness is literally the, the call to connect with your soul and to move through something that needs to be let go. And sadness is often also connected to forgiveness. So maybe there's something that you need to forgive. Um, that's what sadness is, where sadness is really beneficial to you in moving forward. If you know that and if you can ask yourself the right questions and reflect on that instead of react on it, you move through it faster. You create that awareness, right? And the same with fear. I mean, for so many years, we've heard people talk about you have to push through fear. You have to overcome fear. You can't have fear because fear keeps you limited and fear keeps you in your comfort zone and not outside of your comfort zone. Well, that is true to some degree, but fear is also, if you understand the, right, the real message of it, is telling you, hey, what actions are you supposed to take that are in alignment with your calling? What actions did you take that are not in alignment that you just take, took because, well, you compared yourself with someone else and you thought this would get you further and faster ahead? Uh, where did you not stay true to yourself? And often it is really just something because we don't have that danger zone anymore. I mean, you don't really have a lion show up in front of you that tells you you better run. Um, Unless you live in the mountains and you have a bear in front of you, then you do, no, you don't run. You just go really slowly. Uh, but anyways, fear is literally like that voice that's a, hey, you're ready to take that next step. I know it's uncomfortable, but you can do it. It's almost like that cheerleader for you. When you fear, when you experience fear, it's like cheering you on to take that next step, knowing that if you just trust yourself and you really connect with your soul and your heart, you can do this. And having this understanding, there's so much, there comes so much freedom and peace with it. I mean, even for me to learning that, and then at the beginning of this year, I kept dreaming about it. And I was like, no, God, I'm not doing this dang online course because I hate online courses because I've done it before and it totally sucked. I lost like $50,000 and I'm not going to create that too much work. I'm not going to do it. And it just kept up over and over in my dream. I was like, oh man, I don't want to do it. But then suddenly all those people showed up that said, hey, if you do this, I'll help you. I'll help you set this up. Or like literally everything just showed up in front of me and I just had to create the videos and everything else was taken care of. And I already had the content. Like I had it written down over the year, two years before that. I just had to put it into a course content of 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. <laughs> so I created the course on that because I know that if people have that understanding, if they have the awareness around that for themselves, they, take, they look at other people differently. You don't feel attacked when someone is angry and points that at you. You can ask the same questions internally, like, oh, maybe someone crossed their boundaries today and they didn't pay attention to it. Maybe they're actually growing. Why do you think children are angry so much? Because they're always growing. They always have to reset their boundaries and grow. And that's scary sometimes. But it's just to sound like, okay, hey, they're actually moving. If a child is never angry, that I don't know if that's a good sign, to be honest. Um, because sometimes they just have to be angry to move forward. It just means development is happening. And when you have that with other people, you don't re react to them. You don't take it personally as much. I mean, 
obviously we're not talking about total dumbasses that just really are out to hurt people. But if that's the case, you know that too. And you can just walk away and say, okay, there's something much deeper going on with him and I don't have to deal with it. It's not my problem. But you can tell them, you know what? You just really hurt my feeling. And sometimes I do need a punch in the face. Not that I do that. But sometimes you wish you could. <laughs> Aren't so, we all like that? <laughs> it sounds like you're starting with awareness of emotions. Yeah. Which is, yeah. If as children we're taught, don't cry, smile. Mm-hmm. We're like told what to do. Be happy. Yeah, to be Always a good be girl and boy. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with listening to our emotions. No, not at all. The, the really interesting thing is what changed a whole lot for us when I realized what words actually mean and what impact they have on my son and what energy I'm sending out with that, we do that, we all do it, where we ask our children, hey, what is wrong? If they're upset or if they, if something happened, they cry. We ask them, hey, what is wrong, right? And I stopped in my track when I started doing that because that's how you grow up. Your mom says that to you, your dad says that to you. Hey, what, what happened? What is wrong? Um, and so I stopped in my own track and I said, what am I asking him actually? I'm telling him that what he feels is wrong mm-hmm. when there's nothing wrong with him and he's just expressing something and there needs, he needs to be aware of what he needs. And so I started asking him every time, what do you need now at four? I'm adding, what did you learn from this? Uh, just for him to continue to grow in his self-awareness and understanding. So for example, um he comes downstairs and he's just woke up from his nap and he's grumpy and he just keeps crying and just upset he won't even like let you close and when I ask him what he needs he is now just leave me alone for a little bit or I just need to wake up I just need some food and if they haven't already eaten out your whole pantry then that's okay to give them a treat (laughs) or a snack um but it's just what he what he is expressing, what he needs. And he knows that by now. And then I just asked him, so what did you learn from the situation in the way you felt and what do you need it? It's like, well, next time I'm just going to come down and tell you what I need. Wow. And he's four. I mean, he's also very highly sensitive. So he learns very fast. Again, he's like super smart, just like his dad. Just didn't get that for me. They both are genius. Um, but it, it's incredible how aware children are when you allow them to be and um, another time was we went to the grocery store and he is usually very close to me he doesn't like to run away he's always afraid of losing me and so he stays with me and we went we got out of the grocery store towards the car and suddenly he's like I feel like crying mommy he's like why is that what 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 is going on it's like I don't know but I feel suddenly really really sad And so I I looked at him, I went down on my knees and looked at him and I said, Jonah, do you think there was someone in the store that was sad that you took on from him? Maybe, I think there there was a lady that was sad. And under different circumstances, he probably would have had a tantrum because he wouldn't know what he was feeling. Like it's something out of the ordinary, something he doesn't understand. That's when meltdowns happen because um, their nervous system is overstimulated. It's just emotional overload. But he is so aware that he could tell me. And then I ask him, okay, so what do you need? What do you need right now to to work through this sadness? Not even to feel better. And oh, I admit I say that too, but um, usually more how to work through that. And then he just tells me, can I just have a hug? Or can I have a kiss? Or can you just hold me? Or I just want to get in the car and close the door. Like those things. And he's never been a child that had many tantrums unless he's really tired. But even then we know what he usually needs. It's either food or bed. (laughs) Mostly bed. Um, Because his system gets overstimulated very quickly. I love, I love that you're recognizing his empathic abilities and fostering them Yeah, right now. It's so beautiful. And before we hit record, you were talking about his relationship with plants. <laughs> yes. Trees. Can you share a little bit about that? Well, he is convinced that he will save the environment. He says, he tells that every single day. 
he gets so upset about people who throw trash. Like he calls them out. He doesn't like people who waste water. Like Americans are obsessed with with their lawns and they water everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he does not like that. He literally goes to the neighbors and says, "Neighbor, you're wasting water, and I don't like that." <laughs> you go, don't, little guy, go. And I just go back inside and like I didn't hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear that. It's all right. Um, then I just pretend like, "Oh, Jonah, where are you?" <laughs> um but really then when he goes inside I'm like good job buddy for saying that and standing up for what you believe especially that it serves a greater good Mm -hmm. um but yeah he loves to hug trees like he when we go on a on a car ride and we drive by trees he always is like that tree just asked me to give him a hug. Can we stop and pull over? It's like, dude, we're not just stopping at every tree that you want to give a hug. That's not working. We need to get somewhere. Well, but they asked me to give them a hug. So explain to him how energy works. So I said, if you just focus on that tree, if you just close your eyes and you see that tree in front of you, then you can pretend giving them a hug and they still feel it because you're focused on that tree and they still feel it and you can still help them. And so now every time he sits in the car and he's like, I'm giving the tree a hug. And it's so cute. And, and it's just amazing. And every picture we have of him, he's, he's hugging another tree. It's hilarious. And then there are other trees where he says, oh, no, they, they told me not to give them a hug. And I haven't really figured out why or some of it. Maybe there's some bugs on it or some, something that's poisonous potentially that he shouldn't have on himself. Um, so he's very aware when we go buy plants, we always ask him, is this plant saying yes for buying it or not? And he always tells us, and the ones that he says, yes, they always flourish and thrive in our backyard. It's really interesting. But my husband is similar since he's a master herbalist. He, he has herbs showing up in the garden. It's so funny, like in the backyard, in the grass specific herbs that are very rare like medicinal herbs and and he was like oh yeah I was thinking about that I studied about it and like oh you you don't didn't want to buy them no I just know if I if I'm ready to use them they will show up and so they do wow some other plants show up and he's like I didn't plant that they just showed up but I think this one showed up for you because you have those um specific health issues and this plant helps with it that's amazing. That's how it works in our family. That's why we work so well together. <laughs> yeah, you're just like it's such a magical little <laughs> household. I love it. Yeah, I think that's why we we need to leave that suburban area and and just have a twenty acre farm um, where we're not so distracted. Like I do want to. I I still gonna do my work. You know. I mean, I love my work. I love to speak on stages. I love to connect with people. But I also love my sacred space away from everyone and everything yeah I totally <laughs> and here that. I still feel my neighbors I know exactly what's going on mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um well I feel like this is actually a good stopping point I also feel like we could talk for days so. <laughs> I hear that every time <laughs> I've had close to a hundred interviews over the last two years and every Wednesday says we could just talk forever it's like I know I love to talk that's why I'm a speaker yeah exactly you're definitely doing what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> so Isabel how can people learn more about you well, I put everything in one spot, so it's I always like simple, right? Um, everything you can you want to know about me, if it's services or connect with my Facebook group, um, World Visionaries United, where mostly empath warriors, really amazing group um, of people, uh, or join me on social media. You can all find that on my website, isabelhunt.com. It's i s a b e l h u n d t dot com. People don't forget the D because I always forget the D. <laughs> dt.com <laughs> excellent we will we'll have all that info linked in the show notes but also when people are listening to this episode they should be able to just read your name that is true <laughs> but some don't because they just listen in the car so sometimes they forget about it they just remember the name and they just google it and may not quite show up all right so remember it's dt everybody yeah and also, um, one thing that I want to mention, if 
I started recently doing that, but if anyone is interested in joining the, the course about emotions, learning more about your emotional world and how to navigate that, I would love to offer a discount code of um, 30% off. It's uh, T-E-W, the Empowered Warrior, and then 30. So if anyone signs up, there's a, a coupon field and you just put that um, discount code in there and then you get 30% off. Awesome. That is so generous. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just want people to learn about it and use it. That's my goal. <laughs> like yeah. Shaking people, like, just learn about it. Finally, just do it. <laughs> well, what a way to change the world. If we all understood our emotions, oh, things would be imagine? very different. Could you imagine? But I think we're going to have that, especially with the younger generations, millennials and younger, um, that have that more of that understanding. And I'm really proud of them. I mean, I'm kind of still part of it. I'm at the edge of it. <laughs> yeah, are you a zenial? I'm a zenial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the in-between. What is it, like 80, yeah. 80 or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's like 77 to 83. It's like this little buffer yeah, zone. I'm, yep, I'm in there. Yeah. I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm definitely solidly in there, too. And I agree, yeah. Like, the generations before us were very anti-emotion. Mm -hmm. That's how we grew up. Yeah. And I'm psyched that the younger generations are seeing it. You see it with my son. He's only four and there are more of them out there. They I just know. They just know. It's going to be good. I, I really have hope for this, hum for this society in general. Um, yeah. I'm going to spare you with my deeper thoughts on that. That might be a little brutal, but... <laughs> but you, you mean, you're, you started in communist Germany and you mm -hmm. have for the society. That's really good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I was, I think, too young to actually really experience it. I just know that everything was very organized. Everyone had to go to kindergarten and everyone had to, well, actually, for here, for Americans to understand, it was more pre-K um, for socializing aspects. And everything was bad. It was just very rigid. I think the older you get, the more you understood about the not so great effects like you they have been watched my parents have been watched all of their life every single detail about them was documented there are documents that are like wow. thick and like many of them over all of the years my dad never got his he wanted he wanted to after the fall came down but he forgot about it um yeah are they still but, in germany yeah my whole family is still in germany I'm here by myself. <laughs> really. See, that's the another thing. I never feel alone because I feel so connected to everything and everyone around me that no matter what happens, I don't feel like I lost anyone or I necessarily miss anyone. For one, everything is just getting closer because we can reach each other so easily. Mm -hmm. uh, but energetically, I can easily connect with them and I never feel alone. It never feels that way for me anymore. Yeah, I agree. I feel... Yeah, very connected to when we tap into the energy around us, like there's energy everywhere. Yeah. And I feel very connected, sometimes more so than I want to, if yeah. I'm not aware. <laughs> yeah, but we don't do the work and just, yeah, forget about it. <laughs> um, actually, before we end, do you have a quick tip for somebody an empath to protect themselves from other people's energies? Uh, yes, actually, there is a free download on my website. It's called Five Simple Ways to Protect Yourself from Negativity. Um, I created literally, there are five from metaphysical exercises. If anyone wants to look it up, it's hard to explain when you can't see it. Um, but it's called the sip up exercise where you are where you can protect yourself by imagining a zipper in front of you, starting with your pubical bone um, up to your lower lip, and you literally sip it up, and you do that three times uh, while you breathe in, and then you breathe out, and that helps you to have your meridians aligned. That's a really simple exercise. Another one is grounded, being grounded and being connected to nature, going more on walks that helps you to stay centered and balanced. Um, I, I wrote a prayer that's in that document too that people can use. People tend to like that the most because they can use it in the morning before they leave their house uh, or take it with them and do it whenever they feel out of alignment and totally stressed and things like that. 
Or you can do a really cool exercise. For those who know, the sign language, the American Sign Language for Love is the thumb, the, the index finger, and the little finger holding out, right? And what you can do, because everything has energy and even sign language does, you hold that hand with the sign of love over your heart and you say infinite love and infinite peace. That helps you too to stay centered and grounded. I actually learned that from the movie that I watched. See, I'm really good at memorizing things, can you tell? <laughs> when there's so much coming at you, you can't remember most of the details. And that's why people always ask, like, what is your favorite book? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I that's a really hard question. I can't remember the <laughs> I can't remember the title, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, but that's what I learned. Like that, that's really awesome. Like if you try that, yeah, it's it's really powerful. I love it. And you know what? Um, during my morning meditation, I typically do, I forget what this mudra indicates oh. with my thumb on my two middle fingers and my left hand has automatically been going into like, I love you lately. There you go. And I hadn't realized that until right now. Thank you. That is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, this has been awesome and magical and fabulous. People go check out her stuff. There's I mean, you provided so much helpful information. Thank you. And don't forget, everyone, you get that discount on the course. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I'm glad we connected. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter, and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.